Welcome to the Southcrest Live podcast. If this is your first time to listen, please connect with us at www.southcrest.org for more information. Thanks for listening and enjoy today's message. We're back in Matthew chapter 5 today. Matthew chapter 5, we've had a couple of Sundays with Tim Lee here and in Easter and now back to the Beatitudes and the Sermon on the Mount. If you have your Bibles, open them there. I'm going to focus on verse 9, but we're going to begin reading in verse 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. And we ask you, Lord, to help us not only know the peace of God in our hearts, be able, but be able to share that with the world, those around us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. In the late 1800s, there's a man by the name of Alfred who was a very prominent scientist and entrepreneur. He made a fortune by inventing and refining explosives. His most famous was dynamite. He made it so that it would be used for good things, such as making roads and putting foundations for buildings. But soon, the value of dynamite was seen by the military, and the military began to buy most of it from Alfred. He made a lot of money. He woke up one morning to see his own obituary in the paper. Now, that would be interesting, wouldn't it? Some of you probably get up in the morning and if you don't see your own obituary, you go to work. Some of you look like you've seen your own obituary this morning. He saw his own obituary because his brother had passed away and they mistakenly put his obit in the paper. And in that obit, it said this, Alfred Nobel, creator of a weapon of mass destruction. Now, that's not how he wanted to be remembered, so he rewrote his will and put his vast um, money, amounts of wealth, to give awards, international awards, to scientists and other thinkers and philosophers, to leaders who make a remarkable contribution to the betterment of mankind. The most famous award is given to those who shall have done the most or the best work for fraternity between the nations, for the abolition or reduction of standing armies, and for the promotion of peace. We call that the Nobel Peace Prize. But isn't it interesting that the man who created dynamite wound up funding the Nobel Peace Prize? Today, our world is looking for peace, uh, not just in the beauty pageants, world peace. With all of the well-intentioned efforts for peace, our world is anything but peaceful. 
We, have, we don't have economic peace. We don't have religious peace. We don't have racial peace or social peace or family peace or personal peace. There seems to be no end to the marches and the sit-ins and the rallies and the protests and the demonstrations and the riots and the wars. Disagreement and conflict seem to be the order of the day. If you make a statement, there's going to be six people who are going to disagree with you, and they're going to let you know it and probably call you names on social media. But one of the most obvious facts of history is that peace does not characterize the existence of man. Did you know since man's existence here on the earth, it's been estimated by those who can do this kind of thing, that only 8% of the time has there been peace on earth. Uh, the rest of the time there have been wars. How many wars have we seen in our own lifetime? All around the world. The Bible opens with peace in the garden. It closes with peace in eternity. The scripture contains 469 direct references to peace and a lot more indirect ones. And there's no peace in our world for two reasons. First of all, because of the opposition of Satan and the angels that fell with him and the disobedience of man. And when you have fallen angels and disobedient people on the earth, you have no peace. And yet Jesus says that the followers of him are going to be peacemakers. He's called us to a special mission to restore the peace that was lost in the fall in the garden when man disobeyed God. It's not a peace that the world knows. The world does not strive for this kind of peace because God's peace has nothing to do with politics. It has nothing to do with the military or the forums of nations or the councils of churches. It has everything to do with Jesus. And before we talk about what Jesus said, let's mention a few misconceptions of peace. When you ask people what the meaning of peace is, you're going to get all kinds of answers. A mother of preschoolers would say, when my kids are asleep, <laughs> or maybe when you go off on vacation, you have some peace. You see, a, a lot of common answers. Uh, for example, one common answer would be that peace is the absence of conflict. Most everyone wants what we call circumstantial peace. All the things around us, we want to be peaceful because then we believe that it will bring internal peace. And when we call it internal peace, we mean that that is a, a, a calmness and a well-being with oneself and one situation in life. That's why the world says what we need is circumstantial peace. Because if we have that, then we will have inward peace. But the problem is you can try to bring circumstances into peaceful circumstances, but if you still have sinful rebellion against God, you'll never have any peace. Billy Graham once talked about when man first landed on the moon in 1969 or whenever it was, the 60s. He said that the, uh, the capsule landed on what we call or what was named the Sea of Tranquility. Billy Graham said the reason it was named the Sea of Tranquility is because no human being had been there yet. 
circumstantial peace is not going to happen. And if it does, it's, it's not going to be the result or it's not going to bring the result of internal peace. Another misconception of peace is the avoidance of confrontation. By the way, we often use the term, well, I would like to have a little peace and quiet. If I just had some peace and quiet, I would have internal peace. Folks, I've got news for you. Just because all your circumstances were good would not bring internal peace. The second misconception is the avoidance of confrontation. There are some people who believe in peace at any price. We're not going to confront anybody. We're not going to disagree with anybody. We're not, we're not going to upset the status quo. But that's not peace. We're never instructed in the Bible to run from conflict. We're never instructed in the Bible to avoid confrontation, especially when it comes to the truth. We're not to put our heads in the sand. We're supposed to be the light and the salt. You're going to see that in a few verses as we get to it in a couple of weeks. The problem is when some people say, well, I'm not going to have any confrontation and so we think, well, I'm going to go on vacation. I won't have any confrontation on vacation. So you, we go off and we do things on vacation, that anything but rest. But we think if I can just get away from any kind of confrontation, there'll be peace. Still a third misconception is the accommodation in controversy, peace at any price. I, I, I believe we'll just, we'll make a truce. Now you see this going on all the time. You know, it's one thing to tolerate things, but it's another thing to say, not only are you going to tolerate it, but you're going to teach it and you're going to believe it. No, we're not. We're not going to accommodate error. We're not going to avoid conflict with the truth or of the truth. The person who glosses over problems and acts as if everything is okay is not a peacemaker. Peacemaking does not mean that you never confront because we're going to see that even Jesus did that. So what does it mean? Let's talk about the meaning of peace. The word peace, Hebrew word shalom. You knew that. I didn't even have to tell you that. But see, shalom is not just a greeting, but it's also used when they say goodbye. We, we use the word hello and goodbye. Well, shalom was used both ways. And shalom was related to a shalom, was, was related to health or prosperity and harmony, wholeness. When a Jew said shalom, they were wishing on another person the full presence, the full peace, the full prosperity of all the blessings that come from God. Now, there's a famous benediction that illustrates this from Aaron. It's in Numbers chapter 6. See if you recognize it. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord look with favor on you and give you peace. That's the word, shalom. But the meaning that we want people to have the blessedness of God. But as we look at this meaning and thinking of the meaning, you must think of the significance of peace. Because I want you to understand something. Peace in the Bible is based on righteousness, holiness of God, justice. 
Did y'all hear that? Three of you did. Did you hear that? Peace in the Bible is based on the righteousness and holiness of God. You see, there's not going to be peace where there's no justice or righteousness. Those, without those two virtues, you will not have lasting peace. The peace of which Jesus spoke of is more than the absence of conflict and strife. It is the presence of righteousness. The presence of God. Men can stop fighting without righteousness, but they won't live peaceably. Just because you stop fighting doesn't mean that you're living in peace. The most that man's peace can offer is a truce. Temporary stop, stopping of hostilities. A truce is seldom more than a cold war. And unless the disagreements and the hatreds are resolved, the conflicts go underground where they fester and they grow and they break out again. God's peace not only stops the hostilities, but settles the real heart issues that are involved. James 3.17 says, the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable. Hebrews 12.14, pursue peace with all men and the sanctification or growing in Christ without which no one will see the Lord. You cannot separate peace, real peace, from holiness and righteousness. Biblically speaking, where there is true peace, there will be righteousness and holiness and purity. And trying to bring harmony by compromising the truth or by compromising righteousness forfeits not only the harmony and the peace, but forfeits the righteousness. Now, you say, well, so does that mean I'm a, I don't have any kind of confrontation? Well, Jesus tells us, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. But then in Matthew chapter 10, verse 34, Jesus said, do not think that I've come to bring peace on the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. Oh, what on earth does that mean? Jesus did not come to bring peace at any price. You see, when Jesus came... He had some bad news, didn't he? He came saying, you've missed it. Salvation's not in the law. You have sinned. You're, you're far from God. Salvation is not in your own doing. Salvation is not in your own works. Salvation comes from God. You see, the gospel brings bad feelings before it can bring good feelings. You have to know you're lost before you can be saved. The sword that Christ brings is the sword of his word. It is the sword of truth. He said, I am the truth. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's not peace at any price. Because it's pretty narrow-minded, isn't it? If Jesus is the only way, it's very, very narrow-minded. Not for us, because we know that he is the way. But until a person acknowledges his rebellion with God, it makes no sense to offer him the peace of God. You see, believers cannot avoid facing truth or facing others with the truth for the sake of harmony. Listen to me. Today, there are churches who are doing this. 
for the sake of harmony, you come live in your sin, whatever you want to call it, whatever kind it is, you come live in your sin and we're okay with it. No, we're not okay with it. Why? Because we're mean, bigoted, hard-nosed people? No, because God said it's sin. And if God said it, it settles it whether you and I believe it or not. You see, sin, until you come to know your sin, you can't have the peace of God. If someone is in serious error about a part of God's truth, you can't have a peaceful relationship with them until that is corrected. Now, we're not mean about it, but Jesus, when he saw the woman at the well, he met the woman at the well. Did he confront her sin? Yeah. You've been married five times, and the man you're living with is not your husband. Do you think he said, well, that's quite all right. This is a new day and age, and people do that now, and you just need to move in and see if it's going to work out okay. It doesn't matter. Marriage is no big deal. No, he didn't say that, did he? You see, he confronted her with her sin, but then showed her the forgiveness that comes from God, which brought about a whole transformation of her life. Let me tell you something, my friend. As a child of God, if you're not willing to stand for truth, you cannot be a peacemaker in the biblical sense. Because, see, you're trying to bring people to be at peace with God, which in turn will make them at peace with other people. But you can't bring a person to be at peace with God if you don't let them know they're separated from God because of their sin. So we don't need a bunch of people that say, yeah, it doesn't matter what you do. Listen, being a peacemaker is essentially the result of a holy life and the call to others to embrace the gospel of righteousness and holiness. J. Oswald Sanders says, peace is not the absence of trouble. It's the presence of God. Now, the significance of peace only comes from the source of peace. Who is the source God is the source. We rebelled against God. And what did God do? What, what should have God done? What? Yeah, that, that right. What should he have done? He should have just wiped us out. Sent us to hell. You rebelled, you're going to die eternally separated from me. But God didn't. Jesus came who is the supreme peacemaker. You see, Jesus came to establish peace with God. His message explained peace with God. His death purchased peace with God, and his resurrected presence enables peace with God. Even the messianic prophecies about Jesus, Isaiah chapter 6 calls him, he shall be called the prince of peace. And when he was born, the angels appeared to the shepherds and said, Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to people he favors. Jesus' persistent word when he forgave sinners was go in 
peace. And just before he was crucified, his last will and testament to the disciples, he said, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Your heart must not be troubled or fearful. And when the Lord returned in Luke 24, verse 36, and appeared to his disciples, the very first words he said to them was, peace to you. Shalom. Men and women are without peace when they are without God, the source of peace. Since the fall, the only peace that man has has been given to him as a gift from God through Jesus Christ our Lord, the gift of salvation. That's the only peace we have because at the cross, man's hatred and anger was vented against God. The Son of God was mocked and cursed and spit on and pierced and reviled and killed. His disciples fled. The sky flashed lightning. The earth shook. The veil of the temple was torn in two. Yet through that violence, God brought peace. God's righteousness confronted man's greatest wickedness, and righteousness won. God is the source of peace. Jesus is the demonstration of peace. The Holy Spirit is the agent of peace. Galatians 5.22 says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. When people come to know Christ, it is not unusual for them to, after they have prayed, to ask God to forgive them and repented of their sins and invited Christ into their life. It is so common for people to say, I have such peace. See, you can know about God and not have any peace. A lot of people are about 12 to 14 inches away from that because they have never received Christ. But a child of God, now stay with me here. Y'all are looking like you're bored. Stay. A child of God reminds me of some of the most violent storms. Violent weather is out on the ocean. Waves can be huge. And I see those movies and it makes me hope I'm never in one of those. But down under the, uh, under the water, down deep, there finally comes a place where there's a cushion where the water does not move. It can be as violent on top as you can imagine. But down deep, doesn't move. It's peaceful. Reminds me of a child of God. Sometimes our circumstances are violent. They're hard Sometimes things happen to us that we don't expect, and, and it shakes us to the very core. But down deep, we know. Jesus said, I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to forsake you. I'll be with you always, even to the end of the age. And when that day comes that you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll be there with you. And when you step and breathe your first breath in heaven, I'm going to be right there with you. You see, even though things around us look terrible, and folks, let me just, let me just tell you, Jesus didn't promise us anything. Of, he didn't say, you know what, you follow me, everything's going to be awesome. No, I think in John, he said, in the world, you're going to have tribulation. You don't live in a peaceful world. 
He's also, he also said something like this. They didn't like me. They're sure not going to like you. Those who are in the best of circumstances on this earth but without God can never find peace. But those in the worst of circumstances but with God never lack peace. People walk through difficult things and they, they grieve and they're sorry and mad and all kinds, but underneath they know God's still there. Haddon Robinson put it this way, no peace will exist between nations until peace reigns in each country. And no country will have peace until peace dwells with the people. And no people will have peace until they surrender to the prince of peace. Now, I want you to notice the models of peace. The word make in the word peacemaker. It means to do something, to make. Jesus didn't say, blessed are the peace wishers or the peace hopers or the peace dreamers or lovers or peace talkers. Peace has to be made. It never happens by chance. And when you take these two words together, peace and maker, it describes one who actively pursues peace. Not just the absence of conflict or avoiding strife or seeking appeasement for warring parties. They're, trying not to, they're not trying to accommodate everybody. They're pursuing the peace that only God has. And when you bring people to Christ, they begin to have peace in their life, which changes their life. Have you ever thought about how mean you would be if you didn't know Jesus? How upset you would be if you didn't know Jesus? Do you realize how conflicted you would be if you didn't know Jesus? Some of you right now look really conflicted. You haven't had a great week, have you? It's written all over you. But the fact is, it didn't rob you of peace because I still know Jesus. Only those who belong to the maker of peace can be messengers of peace. 1 Corinthians 7.15 says, God has called us to peace. 2 Corinthians 5.18, now all these things are from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ. He made peace with us through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. You see, today there are peace breakers People don't keep their word. There are people, they use their tongue to confront just about anybody. Have you, ever, have you ever met anybody like that? doesn't matter what you say, they're going to confront you. You know any people like that? Aren't they a blessing? Aren't they? They just disagree with everybody about everything, and their main tool is their tongue. They have no idea how much Satan uses them. In fact, I want to tell you something. If you're consistently that way, you need to look down deep because either you don't know Jesus or you're so out of fellowship with God, you need to confess sin. Didn't mean you won't ever disagree. You understand what I'm saying here. We're going to disagree. We're going to have disagreements from time to time, but I'm talking about somebody that was just vaccinated with some kind of negativity. There are peace fakers 
peace fakers don't they don't want the truth they just see peace as simply the absence of any kind of argument so don't stand for the truth don't call sin sin don't take a stand on the truth of God because we don't want to make anybody feel bad I want you to know when I get up on Sunday morning you can ask Laura as I leave to come to the church for the earlier service I don't ever say well I'm going to make people feel bad today but I also know that when you preach about sin, some people don't like it. It's not my fault. I'm just the messenger. I'm not a bigot. I love people. I don't hate people. I don't like sin. I've got enough in my own life to deal with. But the fact is, when you speak about sin... People don't like it, so a lot of people just fake it. They go to any lengths to avoid any kind of conflict, any kind of confrontation, any kind of unrest or undoing. They settle for a counterfeit peace that's based on the fact, well, everybody's coming and nobody's arguing. I can tell you from experience, when my brother and I growing up, we had some pretty good arguments. And mom and dad could come in and stop us from arguing, but that did not mean there was peace between us. Just because you let sin run rampant doesn't mean there's peace. All a truce says is don't shoot for a while. But when there's peace not, is not there, the issue's not settled, it's going to fester and it's going to show up again. But we're supposed to be peacemakers. So what are the characteristics of peacemakers? I didn't write these down for you. First of all, I guess it kind of goes without saying, you've made peace with God. Have you made peace with God? Are you where you're supposed to be with God? Are you saved? Do you know if you died today, you'd go to heaven and be with God? Have you made peace with God? Adrian Rogers said, most people are a fight looking for a place to happen. Well, sin breaks our fellowship with God. And when the fellowship with him is broken, peace is broken. And until you're right with God, you'll be a troublemaker instead of a peacemaker. Peacemaking, peacemakers also lead others to make peace with God. Now, okay, I'm going to ask you a hard question. How many of you in here are glad you're saved? Let me see your hand. All right, now. Does that mean that since we're saved and we've made peace with God and we know the Lord, that now we look down our nose at those poor sinners? No. We're going to stay away from you. You don't know Jesus. I don't want to be contaminated by you. No, that's called being a Pharisee. That's what the Pharisees did. But because we have made peace with God, because we've been rescued and reconciled to God, don't you want someone else to know that? Don't you want that mean old boss that you have or that person you work with or that family member you've got who's in such turmoil? Don't you want them to have the peace of God in their life? Because look at what it's done for you. Peacemakers also help others to make peace with other people. We want them to get along. We want people to be at peace with other people. True story. When Abraham Lincoln was an attorney, he had a man come to him that wanted to file a lawsuit against another man who owed him $2.50. Now, you got to remember, this is back in the 1800s. 
And Abraham Lincoln said, this guy can't pay you. And the man said, I don't care. I want revenge. And so Abraham Lincoln, this is a true story. Abraham Lincoln said, okay, for this, for this lawsuit, I'm going to charge you $10. The man said, fine. I just want to get even with this guy. So Abraham Lincoln took $10 and gave five of it to the man they were suing for $250. And the man then admitted his debt and paid the plaintiff or the defendant. I get him mixed up. He paid the guy who was suing him $2.50, and this guy was as happy as a clam. Now, y'all are going to go to lunch, and you're going to be thinking about that. How much did this guy make? How did all that work out? But the fact is, he made peace between the two parties, even though it was interesting how he did it. Let me tell you something about, else about peacemakers. They find a point of agreement. Just because you disagree with somebody doesn't mean they're all bad. Somebody might be in a sin that you don't agree with, but that doesn't mean they're all bad. So you try to find a place, a point where you can agree in order to build a relationship, in order to share with them the peace of God in their life. And I want to tell you, when they come to know the Lord and they come to find Jesus Christ, he'll take care of all the other changes that need to be made. I don't think it's wrong for us to stand for truth. But my friends, we need to point people to the truth. And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father. No one will ever be reconciled to the Father. No one will ever have peace with the Father except through me. So peacemakers bring people Find a point of agreement. God's people are to contend without being contentious. We're to disagree without being disagreeable. We're to confront without being abusive. Speak the truth in love, but love is the starting point. Start at whatever peaceful point you can and then share the truth. And finally, what are the consequences of peacemaking? Don't leave me yet. Notice he says, blessed are the peacemakers for they and they alone, it's emphatic, will be called sons of God. The word called means to be officially designated as holding a particular rank. When you name a chair or choose a captain or designate a spokesman. Now you may think, well, the sons of God and children of God are exactly the same. Well, there are a lot alike, but not exactly the same because the children of God is a, is a, uh, designation of position. I'm in the family. I'm a child of God. I've been born again through Jesus Christ. But being called the sons of God, that means a definition of character. You're carrying on what this family is about. You are exhibiting the qualities and the traits of God. You not only carry on the family name, but you bear the family resemblance and reputation. And Jesus is saying that as his followers, they will be known as peacemakers. They will be recognized as people who follow God. You don't earn your salvation by being a peacemaker. You are a peacemaker because God has put peace in your life through Jesus Christ. 
You may be a child of God because you accepted Christ, but you're a son of God or called that. You represent him when you pursue peace. So are you actively pursuing or trying to reconcile people to God? The only way you can do that is to bring them to the Lord. Y'all seen this bumper sticker. N-O, no peace. No, excuse me, no God. N-O, no peace. K-N-O-W, no God. K-N-O-W, no peace. The only way to have peace in your family, in your own life, in your circumstances. I wish I could tell you your circumstances would go away. I can't do that. But I can tell you what I do know. The scripture says when you know God, you'll have peace. Would you pray with me? Thank you for listening to today's message. If you would like more information to make a commitment or to request prayer, please text the word podcast to 555-888. You can also connect with us on our Southcrest app or our website for complete worship services or to plan to visit us in person. Thanks again for listening.